we found that many people, in fact, just take their uh, information about investing from social media. And, um, you know, on social media, there, there can be uh, different people saying different things. And, mm. you know, there's very little accountability behind it. Um, so I think that uh, it must be something that uh, investment must be something where you stay vigilant and you, in fact, uh, um, look at the information that you have, study and uh, validate that information. Do you worry, because we have a proliferation of trading platforms now with high-speed Wi-Fi, it's becoming much easier for people to trade by themselves on these online platforms. Do you worry that that's maybe detracting from what really should be more long-term investing and also about the information that people are getting from those platforms? Well, um, we think that uh, everyone should have an investment plan. Um, and, you know, you have to really assess your own risk appetite um, before making any investment decisions. So I think that uh, looking at existing market conditions and any trends that might in affect your uh, investment um, decisions and the investment climate, all of these are, are um, very important. But most important of all, I think that investors must think very, very carefully before borrowing to invest. Um, that that's something uh, that that seems to be, um, you know, plaguing the uh, younger set in particular, and so you know that's that's a, a piece of advice we always give. Very sound advice, Mr. Huang. Thank you very much for coming in this well, morning. Thank you. That's Lester Huang, who is chairman of the Investor and Financial Education Council. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let me take a final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, in Australia, the SX200 is flat. Now, the Nikkei 225 in Japan slipping further into negative territory, down about 0.6%. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to have a rather bad open, down almost 2% at the open, according to futures markets. Brent crude oil also slipping at $83.35 a barrel. Gold is trading at 1752 dollars an ounce that's it for me please do join me again tomorrow morning at eight o'clock for money talk back chat is coming up jim gould and ada wong on the program today the weather forecast for today windy with heavy rain and squalls uh, tomorrow the seas are going to be rough with swells uh, maximum temperature around 28 degrees the strong wind signal number three is in force it's 25 degrees right now 65 percent relative humidity just gone 8 32 here's barry o'rourke with the half hour news Democratic Party chairman Lokin Hay says the party is still an important force in Hong Kong, despite it not fielding any candidates to contest the LegCo polls. He told RTHK that many members had recently become ineligible due to being disqualified, arrested or detained, while others felt legislators wielded less influence nowadays. Despite Chief Executive Carrie Lam previously questioning the value of political parties that didn't contest elections, Mr Lowe said a reasonable government should always try to listen to the public. Even though we are not feeling anybody to run in the Legislative Council, the Democratic Party is still a very important force in Hong Kong because as long as we can represent the people, as long as the people believe that we can represent them and we can speak for what they think about, I think that is important and I think that is a reasonable government and a responsible government should always try to listen to the public. And I believe that we will still be that voice for our vessel of the Hong Kong people. 
The observatory says it will deploy additional staff to monitor the second storm to hit Hong Kong within days. This follows criticism about public notices released by the Weather Bureau over the weekend. A construction worker died on Friday when scaffolding collapsed at a residential building in Happy Valley just before a black rain warning was issued. As severe tropical storm Kompasu edges closer to the SAR, the observatory issued the number three storm signal just after midnight. Sean Kennedy reports. The observatory warns that Hong Kong's weather will deteriorate significantly later today with heavy rain and squalls and storm surges. Kampazu is forecast to skirt within 400 kilometres to the south of Hong Kong early on Wednesday. Earlier, the Weather Bureau said it would deploy additional staff to monitor the approaching storm amid criticism over its forecasts as tropical storm Lion Rock passed by the city on the weekend. People complained that the observatory repeatedly changed its prediction as to when the number 8 signal would be lowered on Saturday. Observatory Director Cheng Cho Ming admitted its public messages for Lion Rock weren't ideal and hoped the forecaster would do a better job this time around. The observatory says they will consider raising the number 8 storm signal later this afternoon as Kompasu nears the SAR. It's said that around 8am today, Kompasu was estimated to be about 620 kilometres southeast of Hong Kong and is forecast to move west at about 25 kilometres per hour across the northern part of the South China Sea. The observatory warned residents to take precautions as a storm surge may lead to flooding in low-lying areas. Strong winds and seas will be rough with swells. And finally, a small plane has crashed into a residential area near San Diego in California, killing at least two people and injuring two others. Witnesses say the plane was listing before falling to the ground where it crashed into a lorry and set properties ablaze. The fire service said two homes had been destroyed. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about biodiversity and environmental protection. President Xi Jinping is due to give a speech today via video link to a United Nations conference being coordinated from Kunming in the mainland. It's part of a process which is aimed at drawing up a new global conservation treaty by next year. The head of the UN Convention on Biological Protection has said the world has reached a moment of truth in terms of protecting ecosystems. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, the Environment Secretary, Wong Kam Sing, has said the Northern Metropolis Development Plan announced in last week's policy address will be what he called a, a carbon-neutral community. Development would be sustainable and important habitats would be protected. He also repeated the pledge that Hong Kong would aim to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050 and would spend $240 billion over two decades to combat the effects of climate change. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233886. And we're joined now in our studio by Lam Chu Ying, former director of the Hong Kong Observatory. And on the line, we have Dr. Eric Wickramanayaka, director at uh, WWF, uh, who's responsible for uh, wildlife and wetlands, and also on the line, Albert Lai, CEO of Carbon Care Asia. Um, Lam Chu Ying, perhaps uh, if we can start with you. Um, uh, so biodiversity, uh, in a sort of uh, global context, uh, how is the picture looking? Well, um, 
In this connection, I have to wear my hat as the uh, honorary president of the Hong Kong Birdwatching Society. Yeah. Otherwise, the, your, your audience would be wondering why a weatherman should be talking about well, biodiversity. Well, well, well so, you're interested in science and nature and... and yeah, yeah. Everything, yeah. yeah. I, I have been watching birds in Hong Kong for more than 40 years, and I have seen the uh, actually the significant decline in the natural habitat, especially in terms of wetland in Hong Kong. Um, and, well, you see, uh, roughly 10% of the bird species uh, on Earth is they, they are actually facing the risk of extinction, 10%. So this is a very significant figure. Uh, I, I imagine that uh, uh, bigger, bigger animals, like the mammals, they would be facing even more severe threats. Uh, actually, uh, quite a number of international studies have shown that we are on the point of, uh, practically on the point of breaking down. Uh, the various components of the ecosystem are no longer sort of matching and supporting one another. So um, we are in dire need to uh, improve the situation, to uh, slow down, and hopefully eventually reverse this trend of decline. Uh, the, com the coming uh, summit meeting on the convention is a very important event. This is more or less the uh, critical point when we should decide on how to intervene and stop the uh, continuing deterioration in biodiversity. Mm -hmm. The summit meeting is due to take place uh, next year, isn't it? Uh, it's like the second part of the, uh, the discussions that are going on this week. Yes, um, mm -hmm. in Kunming this week, uh, it, it will be a very significant point, um, uh, especially since, uh, uh, as you have mentioned, China is going to, to tell the world that they are really committed to do what they could. Uh, like what they uh, have promised to do in in, the co in connection with climate change. Um, some people couldn't understand why biodiversity is related to climate, but they are actually related. Uh, climate could, could impact on the animals and the plants, but on the other hand, the plants and animals, they could help us solve the climate problem if we, we manage the situation properly. So they are closely interconnected. So we do have uh, wetlands uh, around Maipo mm. and, um, you know, we have fish ponds there. Yeah. Um, isn't that enough? Um, you know, what, what else could be done to, um, to enhance uh, the wetlands and also the fish ponds? Well, actually, wetland in Hong Kong is much more than Maipo protected area. Uh, actually, the Maipo protected area is only a small part of the total wetland system in Hong Kong. Uh, Westland, according to the Ramsar Convention, actually means uh, uh, what you could see as wetland and marsh. Uh, it also includes sea, which is less than six meters deep, because uh, that's where ducks could go all the way down to, to find their food. So wetland is much more than we, we, we normally understand. And of course, you have just mentioned the fish ponds. Uh, if you look at the a map of Hong Kong, or you look uh, down from a satellite uh, on the new territories, you would be surprised. Actually, wetland and, and uh, uh, fish ponds extend all the way eastward along the border area up to, you would be surprised, Lawu. So, uh, so the wetland in Hong Kong is much more than Maipo Marsh. Mm.
Um, th there is obviously a need for development. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. is it reasonable to expect that uh, uh, you know all of those wetlands uh, could be protected? Uh, I mean, obviously some of them are going to be developed for the northern yep. metropolis. Correct. That would be the the, the uh, normal logic of most people. But you, we are facing climate change, and do you realize that wetland is the most vulnerable place? Uh, under climate change scenario, because the seawater level is going to rise. Um, uh, if you look at the Hong Kong map, and you you try to locate where where the uh, land, the surface level is below four meters uh, above a, a, a certain reference level, you would be surprised. Actually, this this area would extend all the way to Aotau, close to Yunlong, and all the way to Santin. That's exactly where land will be flooded in the coming few decades uh, and definitely within a century or so. So it is actually not a place suitable for the habitation of people. Or well, it might be in the old days, but because of climate change and the associated uh, sea level rise. So, yeah. um, and uh, I have tried to uh, impress upon the government that uh, all the wetland, all the land below four meters uh, should no longer be designated for human habitation. Uh, you won't ask people to buy properties in areas which would be flooded in half a century mm. or even a century. So uh, while maybe there is an ecological reason why we should con uh, conserve the wetland, but there is also a very practical reason for not putting people inside wetland where where they would buy properties that would lose right. value okay. very okay. soon. In, okay. in, in, in the policy address, Mr. Lam, uh, <laughs> paragraph 29, uh, the chief executive did mention wetlands. Uh, she says that through the gradual resumption of several hundred hectares of private wetlands and fish ponds, uh, for enhanced management, the ecological functions around 2,000 hectares of conservation area should, will be enhanced. Well, Is that uh, good news? Uh, mixed. <laughs> I, would, I see this with mixed feeling. Um, well, I, 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 I live in a, I am a practical person living in the real world. So I, I, I understand that we have to give up certain things. Uh, it, 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 trading in for, for some good things. Uh, as in the case of the Fair, Fairview Park, originally they stopped the, the, the present size. Uh, but because of the, uh, the Fairview Park, well, Fairview, what do you call it? Fairview Park? The Fairview Park uh, uh, estate, we, we now have uh, the Maipo Marsh protected. So it, 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 I'm, I, I'm sorry to my environmentalist friends. Uh, we sometimes have to see it in the practical terms. But uh, I, I, I have a little bit doubt about the enhancement of ecological value of existing wetland because it is already existing wetland. How could you improve its value? Well, you might be able to do a little bit of improvement, but uh, uh, could you do it to an extent of uh, compensating for the loss of uh, so so many hectares of wetland? Um, well, uh, I, before coming here, I have actually been thinking about this for some time. Um, I, I can only say that uh, I do hope 
that the government will honor its promise of protecting some 1,200 hectares of real wetlands. Uh, and uh, it is not going to invade into places where, where uh, the, the, those, uh, those places which are of particularly high value. Okay, um, uh, well, we also have with us uh, Dr. Eric Wickramanayaka uh, from WWF, uh, who's the uh, Director for Wildlife and Wetlands. So good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, WWF, of course, uh, uh, manages the MIPO uh, Reserve. Um, what do you think about the prospect of uh, development uh, of the wetlands in that area? Well, uh, WWF is happy to note that uh, the government has uh, pledged to create this landscape of wetlands by including uh, about 2,000 hectares of uh, contiguous wetlands. Uh, this is Hong Kong's biggest extent of wetlands, and, and it's important that they be managed as a contiguous landscape rather than as individual uh, parcels of land. And I, 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 I welcome, I, I, I agree with the, with the previous speaker that uh, the micro-nature reserve, or the micro-anthracite, which is larger, um, is inadequate to actually conserve in, into the future uh, all the ecosystem services and the ecological values including MIPO's uh, globally important role as a uh, overwintering site and as a transit area, a refueling stop for, for migratory birds. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, did a, we did a climate impact analysis of MIPO and we found that uh, towards the end of the century, most of the reserve uh, could, could become an insidal area. So all the high tide boosting sites that are now being managed uh, for, for birds um, could be lost. So it, it, it's important that some of these other fish ponds that the government has pledged to conserve, uh, resume and, and conserve as a landscape, are actually managed. And we've been looking at, uh, at this, at this uh, particular landscape, in fact, as a climate adaptation strategy, not just for the birds and for the biodiversity values, but for the ecosystem services that they deploy. Because uh, these wetlands, including the mangroves, uh, will become really significant uh, and critically important uh, buffer areas from the more severe, more frequent uh, storms that we can expect in the future with, 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 uh, with climate change. Um, so we welcome that. We welcome this design. And, uh, you know, WWF has over 40 years of experience in uh, managing MIPO, um, and we are happy to contribute to management of this landscape uh, you, you know, uh, with, with, with our knowledge and our experience. Um, so, um, but as the previous speaker said, um, you know, there are other wetlands as well in Hong Kong which also require uh, as committed conservation efforts. Uh, we are in the process now of actually mapping these wetlands, uh, including a time series analysis of what, what has been lost and where we can uh, conserve these other wetlands, what are the priorities, and where we can actually restore some of the, some of the wetlands that have been degraded uh, to enhance the, the, the ecological value, just as the government has placed to enhance some of the, of the ecological values of some of these wetlands. The, the problem with that, uh, with, with uh, managing wetlands, is that wetlands are extremely dynamic systems. You know, they 
if left alone, unless the drivers that actually manage and maintain uh, maintain the vehicles are are still uh, still there, the vehicles will succeed naturally. That is, they will convert naturally into other habitats and eventually to to, to terrestrial systems. So, if you take a pond, for instance, uh, as long as the fish the the fish pond operators maintain those ponds, they will remain as a sort of a de facto wetland. But if they're abandoned, left alone. The, the natural drivers that used to maintain that wetland originally would have been lost now. And what will happen is they will uh, gradually convert into weed beds, marshes, and eventually dry land. So that we need to actively manage the wetlands uh, to maintain them as, as a wetland and, and, and enhance the, the ecological value. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, we also have uh, with us. We also have uh, Albert Lai, who's uh, CEO of uh, Carbon Care Asia. Uh, good morning to you. Hi. Good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Albert, Albert. Albert Lai. Uh, um, uh, so um, earlier, Lam Chu Ying was talking about cautioning against uh, development in, in low-lying areas. Uh, in, uh, you're an engineer. I mean, um, <laughs> is it possible to you know build uh, defences, uh, flood defences, against uh, sea level rise? this um, you know uh, uh, defense structures against the level rise um, but then before we design those infrastructures one thing we need to look at is that what are the most vulnerable areas and what, are, what is the best strategy for development or conservation now Hong Kong actually is one of the ten most vulnerable cities in the world in terms of um, uh, 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 vulnerability to uh, sea level rise and in fact, the Northwest NT, like the Lofosan, you know, areas and uh, and Jinpeijie area. I mean, though that though that area is actually one of the most vulnerable uh, areas in Hong Kong. I mean, in in 50 years time, you know, we'll be seeing climate refugees running away from those areas. But now, if you look at the uh, policy address, I'm 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 very surprised. Uh, that there, there are project, there are five uh, infrastructure projects uh, that's been put in, uh, proposed, and uh, you know some of them have not gone through uh, consultation at all. And one of that is actually a, um, a automated um, people mover uh, between Lofosan and uh, Pet Lai. Now, now this this is actually a area that is most vulnerable to flooding. Even now, it's more vulnerable to flooding, and in in future, it will be more more frequent and more severe. And that uh, um, instead of I, I, I as an engineer, I can't see there is a there are economical or effective uh, defense uh, uh, infrastructure to protect those areas. But rather, we should protect it by doing proper planning, meaning that we should we should not have more development in those areas um, and return those areas like, you know, what the Chinese Chinese policies is encouraging, return those areas to nature. Um, because, you know, as, as uh, Lam Chiu Ying has pointed out, I mean, the, the, uh, these marshlands or wetlands are important carbon sinks, which is beneficial to climate change. Um, so so what I, that, that, that's, that, that's why 
But I see that um, this is huge uh, development uh, proposals for the northern metropolis. Many of them have not gone through any scientific analysis and actually against uh, uh, the needs for uh, climate adaptation, against the needs for biodiversity conservation. Uh, that is a very worrying trend. So um, are, are you saying, sorry, 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 are you saying you think it's the development's in the wrong place or, 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 or can you have development and conservation in that area? No, we can have development and concern in Hong Kong, but not in that area. Now, don't forget that, you know, Hong Kong, Hong Kong has many land, more land than we need to use, actually. Um, I mean, we should not forget, for instance, you know, we have nearly 2,000 hectares of, uh, of brownfield size. Uh, we have nearly 10,000 hectares of uh, size allocated for uh, small village houses and so on. Um, and idle lands and, and so on. Now, and, and remember in the policy address, one figure that stands out is that the, the government is talking about only 600 hectares of new land uh, uh, available for development after all these big infrastructure ideas. So that just doesn't uh, fit into knowledge. If we only need 600 hectares, we can easily find 600 hectares. In fact, uh, we, by we, I mean professional governments and, uh, and library research, actually have conducted a study to, uh, in the past uh, uh, half a year. And our findings is that actually we have located 600 hectares of, of land from existing brownfield sites and idle government land. So we can do that without, this, without having to plan or to develop uh, uh, wetlands or ecologically sensitive areas at all and wasting money on infrastructure that will be flooded uh, in 50 years' time. Um, uh, Albert, um, on the wetlands and the fish ponds, uh, right next to it uh, will be Santin and uh, there will be a technopole there and also the northern metropolis not far from there. Can wetlands and also, the, I mean, the, uh, the Santin development and the northern metropolis, uh, could they coexist? Actually, uh, professional commons has proposed this 12 years ago. You know, when we proposed to lo locate the uh, terminus of the high-speed railway uh, in the territories, at that time, we suggest a secondary city center concept. And that is exactly to shift the development away from the Victoria Harbour areas, you know, back to the new territories, the Yunnan Canton area. I think, now, in terms of planning... That is a good idea to reverse the kind of uh, uh, logic that we have uh, mm. of overdevelopment in, in the south. Now, mm. but then it doesn't mean that we need to develop the wetland areas or even the border areas, you know, which are also mm. ecologically sensitive. Because you know, Canton, we have areas that are not necessarily encroaching on, you know, uh, on, on ecologically sensitive areas. Okay, uh, Mr. Lam, no. yeah. can I echo uh, like Wang Duck? Uh, actually, people should know that he, he has mentioned about the development of the new territories a long, long time ago. Well, a figure of 8,000 hectares have been, has been mentioned by the government on new land available from the new frame, conceptual framework. 8,000 hectares. And we are only needing a few hundred hectares for whatever they have mentioned. So why, why should there be a focus on the wetland? So this is, this is something that couldn't be understood. Uh, it could easily be in Camtin. 
uh, as uh, uh, Albert has just mentioned, uh, it could also be uh, closer to Yunlong, where you actually have a lot of flat land just south of the existing Yunlong town. So uh, I, I think uh, people should see things in context. Why focusing on wetland? So this is something we have yet to understand. Because mm. the the the, uh, the northern metropolis uh, area, it's it's a huge chunk of land. It's about a third of the total area of uh, of Hong Kong, isn't it? Uh, Three hundred square kilometres. So <laughs> so so you saying that uh, if, if we're having development in there, it doesn't have to be in the wetland. It doesn't have to be that close to the border because the wetlands obviously uh, adjoin. Yes, the border. Yeah. But yeah. it could be a little bit could be a little bit further south with uh, better transport links and that kind of yes, thing. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, actually, south south of the uh, the fish ponds along the border area, uh, there are places with fairly gentle slope, and of course, uh, uh, highway transport is so convenient. Camden is not so far away from the border, so I think uh, the 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 very strong focus on wetland is misplaced. Uh, although um, I, I'm not saying that we, you can't take away one square inch of wetland, uh, but but why the focus? It could be somewhere else. Um, Albert, I know you have to go at nine, but um, you know having a northern metropolis there, I think this is uh, strategic because of uh, the Greater Bay Area, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I, I, I can see the logic there, um, but the key is that. Uh, we need to look at uh, uh, holistic planning, um, and then Hong Kong actually has enough area, more enough, more 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 area than we need. We just have to plan wisely. The biggest worry is that in this policy address, all these uh, suggestions, uh, as as the CE has admitted, you know, she has not done full studies on this, and then we successfully you know throw up all these ideas, um, and that is worrying because we need science backing, you know, we need. Um, uh, a proper planning, and none of this is in existence, you know, for okay. this idea of northern uh, metropolis. Okay, okay. Thanks very much for joining us uh, on the program this morning, uh, Albert Lai. Um, our other guests uh, and listeners, uh, please stay with us. We've got to take a short break uh, for the news. We'll be back at three minutes past. Quick look at the weather: fresh to strong north to northwest northeasterly winds, occasionally up to gale force uh, offshore and on high ground. The outlook: uh, windy with heavy rain and squalls tomorrow. Seas will be rough with swells. Uh, currently, it's 25 degrees, humidity 63%, and the strong wind signal number three is in effect. CHK. And welcome back to Backchat with uh, Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning, we're talking about biodiversity and environmental protection. Uh, a quick uh, email here from a listener, David, who writes, uh, it has been proved that where you cover fields and lands with concrete, the water cannot soak into the land and therefore it uh, moves uh, somewhere else. And the floodplains change, so when you put concrete bases in the wetlands, the water will go somewhere else. So this means that area will probably become drier and the rain will dump itself somewhere else unexpected and produce flooding. Also, with all the concrete, uh, Hong Kong will become considerably hotter. Um, do get in touch. Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on two double three double. Um, we have uh, with us this morning Lam Chu Ying, 
who's um, a former director of the Hong Kong Observatory and is uh, very active in the areas of conservation and uh, also with the Hong Kong Birdwatching Society. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, with us uh, Dr. Eric Wickramanayaka, who's uh, director for wildlife and wetlands with WWF Hong Kong. And we're also now joined on the line by William Yu, uh, the founder and chief executive officer of the World Green Organization. Um, William Yu, hello to you. Hi, good morning. So, good morning. so we, we mentioned at the start of the programme uh, that we have the international conference uh, going on uh, this week, uh, coordinated from uh, Kunming, um, on uh, biodiversity, and uh, the hope is that that will lead to uh, a new global conservation treaty uh, being drawn up by next year. Um, what are your hopes for that conference? Um, I, I think um, what we need to look for is a new way, uh, a more effective way to, um, you know, to um, enhance the, the natural con uh, conversa uh, conservation. I, I think uh, the, the point is uh, we, we definitely need to uh, enhance the entire ecological function through all this uh, strategic uh, strategy and action plan. But uh, more importantly is how to address, I, I think that is the topic for today, to reconcile the na nature conservation with economic development goals. Uh, that is important, especially uh, when we face this um, northern metropolis uh, development. So um, we, we need to figure out a more effective way to um, address the, the development issues in the future as our population yeah, is getting larger and larger and we need to look for land we need to develop uh, uh, have a new development in some new areas so that's very important um, Dr. Wickramanaika um Conservation efforts, they have to be uh, international, don't they? I mean, I, I'm thinking just of, for an ex example, uh, the black-faced spoonbills that uh, fly down to Hong Kong and stay here for several months over the winter. I mean, they, they, the rest of the time they're found uh, in Korea, I believe, and then obviously it, on their migratory route they're coming down the coast of China. So that's lots of different places uh, involved. Um, so, uh, so how important is it to have a, the international focus on conservation efforts? Oh, it, it's, it's critical because, uh, you know, Hong Kong cannot, I mean, just, uh, if, if Hong Kong supports or conserves my potential reserve, which is the wintering ground for, 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 for several black-faced spoonbill, um, it, it, it doesn't do much good if the rest of the wetlands along the flyway are lost. So what we what what we've done is basically Hong Kong is now, uh, WWF Hong Kong is now hosting a WWF network initiative called the Asian Flyways Initiative, which is to try and coordinate and collaborate amongst other countries uh, and WWF within the, in, in the other countries to come up with a more holistic approach to conserving the flyway as a whole and try to make sure that those important uh, wetlands along the way that the birds use and depend on are also conserved. So we are, we are basically leading that initiative and we are trying to influence conservation across the flyway to make sure the ecological functionality of the flyway is conserved. Uh, uh, has that been uh, proved effective so far? Well, we are still early days. Uh, we are working, uh, you know, trying to come up with uh, regional scale 
uh, proposal uh, project uh, and we are confident that we will uh, succeed. Um, uh, William, uh, you know, uh, in the policy address, uh, we read that um, uh, the government wants to achieve carbon neutrality before 2050, and there are plans uh, announced by the Secretary for Environment that, um, um, you know, phase, phasing out the use of coal for power generation by 2035 is actually achievable. Uh, you know, all these very big plans which are positive while, you know, we are building quite a lot in, in the northern um, metropolis, uh, in the north uh, district of Hong Kong, and there are also other infrastructural projects. So, as you said, um, how, you know, how could all these big plans uh, stay together, live together? Okay, so um, I try to link to offset uh carbon offset and biodiversity offset two concepts in together to illustrate you know how we should uh, look at this development first uh, we propose uh, to hong kong government you know when i look at the uh, the northern Met metropolis uh, development strategy uh, biodiversity the terms biodiversity appears uh, seven times mm -hmm. only uh-huh so um, what we need to do, I mean, uh, we need to take uh, an advanced approach is to do the conservation in advance before we start any development. I think that is the concept proposed by the European Commission, you know, um, kind of biodiversity uh, offset. Um, what they propose is a habitat banking concept, you know, to create a market where, where the credits come from action with beneficiary, uh, beneficial biodiversity outcome. Okay, so we can use that outcome to offset the debit from the environmental damage. So um, what we want to propose is just like carbon offset, okay? You, uh, you cannot avoid all the carbon emissions in your construction and new development. But what you can do is to do uh, to increase your greenery area creating forests, creating trees that absorb uh, carbon, uh, that can generate carbon credit. So that this carbon credit can be offset, it can be used to offset, you know, uh, the, the carbon em emission. So we, we, we need to uh, effectively think about this kind of habitat banking concept, you know, um, to address uh, the 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 basic principle, okay, in biodiversity conservation is no net loss principle, no net loss principle. So it's trying to, uh, our every effort to avoid or minimize any negative impact on biodiversity caused by our uh, development. So that's, uh, that's kind of system should be created in order to enhance our e ecological function. Otherwise, we keep arguing uh, no use. I, I think we, we need to have a very holistic view to for our future development. Hmm. Okay, um, uh, an email here from Bowen says, uh, Dear Backchat, uh, I agree entirely with uh, Dr. Lam's logic about the necessity for the government to seriously bear in mind the value of properties that people invest in. After all, it's the prime responsibility of any government to protect the lives and properties of its people. As climate change continues to ravage coastal cities like our own, our government just cannot focus on building more homes without adequately protecting a 
existing ones which are vulnerable to storm surges and flooding. More specifically, the findings of the Coastal Hazard Study commissioned by the government were said by the Development Bureau to be due by the end of 2020, but the government has neither released nor made any presentations on them. There isn't even any timeline given for when they will be available for public consideration and discussion. Typhoons Harto and Mancook, sorry, Man, Mancut were nature's best warnings to us that we could not afford to waver or wait when it comes to tackling coastal resilience and stepping up on augmenting our coastal defensive infrastructure. Um, how about that, Lam Chu Ying? Uh, coastal defensive uh, infrastructure. Do we yeah. need to we need to work on that? Yes, um, this is very important. Singapore has uh, committed something like five hundred billion Hong Kong dollars to prepare for any defense they, they might require against the uh, invasion or the attack of climate change. Um, we have yet to see any action in this direction by the government. And uh, what we have seen are studies, uh, which your, 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 your uh, listener has just mentioned. So, so we must identify where, where the vulnerability is and then do proper defense. And at the same time, we should not increase the risk by building, by building where it is actually risky. So we should not be creating risk to be protected by further uh, sort of uh, protection measures. Mm. So what, what, I, what, I, what I have been trying to say to this government, uh, I actually wrote to this chief executive, please announce that the wetland is not suitable for habitation. Um, but of course, uh, it has been referred to other bureau <laughs> for consideration. So. Uh, we should protect what is vulnerable and we should not add new vulnerability. And I see uh, development in wetland as vulnerability and also the artificial island at the middle of the sea also is a, a, a new vulnerability mm. also. Talking about the Lantau Tomorrow Vision. Yes, indeed. It? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, the uh, Lantau... <laughs> the, 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 the Lantau vision mm. and the wetland vision. I, I've, I'm really troubled by this idea. Conceptually, we should avoid creating new risks, but we are doing it now. Mm. So, uh, well, I, I, I have a lot of uh, uh, praise for the concept of the Northern Metropolis because uh, we have been neglecting that place for so long. But then I, I really worry that uh, from what I have seen, uh, the government apparently is not aware or, or, or refuse to recognize the risk that climate change is bringing. Mm. Um, this really gets me worried. In terms of biodiversity, uh, which species are particularly vulnerable here to climate change? Well, um, well of course, uh, we have uh, the, those species living on the wetland. Um, um, the as as climate changes, the the actually there there are um, what do we call it? Uh, fundamental changes in the uh, physical environment, so they have to adjust. Uh, we have species which are confined to the high 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 altitude, and when climate change comes, uh, it gets warming up, then they they have to shift higher and higher, 
But if the climate change is, is uh, exists to a certain extent, they can't go further. They, they say such the sky for them to go into, which means that they would become extinct. So we have uh, species uh, at, on the high ground and also species on the wetland. Um, uh, those in between, they could adjust, I hope. Um, but the uh, migratory uh, species uh, will be subject to a very significant impact because uh, in all the places they visit, there will be uh, fundamental changes. So um, the least we could do is to conserve the habitat for them. And then hopefully they could adjust. But if we are destroying the habitat, then they have nothing, there's nothing they could do. From, from what I can read, you know, uh, in this policy address, um, you know, there is um, no plan uh, to build, uh, you know, in the country parks uh, and mm. in the buffer yeah. zones. Yeah. So, uh, and wetland and fish ponds will be enhanced. There'll be enhanced management, whatever that means. So, so that's good news, right? You know, our 40%, um, uh, uh, you know, Hong, well, Hong Kong country parks uh, cover 40% of our land, yeah. and, and that is quite intact. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when I read the uh, policy address, there are quite a number of things we I, I am very happy with, uh, like the country park. This, the, the chief executive now is quite determined not to disturb it. And and then I hear about the uh, the positive plans they, they say they, they would do for the wetland. But then the, it is the fundamental concept of going into the wetland that troubles me. Uh, there are 8,000 hectares of land available in the Northern New Territories. Why worry about this small piece of land in the wetland? But anyway, even if they are going to build in the wetland, I hope it will be compensated, amply compensated by uh, capacity, ecological capacity building. Uh, this is something you could do, uh, but it has to be planned. Anyway, I see the current uh, uh, Northern Metropolis uh, con uh, idea as a conceptual framework. There is a lot yet to be worked out. So uh, I think it is premature to criticize it too much or, or to praise it too much. Uh, uh, but uh, let's work very hard to thresh it out to make sure that the birds, the animals, and also human beings won't suffer from whatever they do. This is the important thing. Can I use some international examples to to uh, illustrate about the vulnerability caused by climate change. Um, yeah, sure. What do you mean? That, uh, yeah. We, yeah, for for the the new development, I, I think um, uh, there is an international case like Vienna. Okay, they use satellite image or drone uh, to um, spot the you know uh, to detect the hotspot in the in the areas <coughs> in the region and trying to avoid a very dense. Uh, kind of uh, infrastructure development in that area. So uh, we we should um, trying to you know make a good use of the new technology. You to uh, lay down you know all these uh, vulnerable sites and uh, to lay down the uh, vulnerability map so that we we know how to you know. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to locate all these new buildings and new infrastructure. That's also very important. Yes, well, I guess development is necessary because we need more housing and we need more development opportunities. So uh, in a lot of cities, William, uh, uh, they are talking about net zero houses uh, to, to build 
to have buildings with uh, sort of net zero carbon emissions. How 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 do we do that? Could we do that I, in the northern metropolis? I I think uh, now uh, we uh, we also co collaborate now with uh, Tsinghua University on the uh, uh, they they have a carbon neutral school set up. So uh, what I heard is, uh, uh, or, or even international, they now trying to study the the, the possibility to make a building net zero. But uh, definitely, we need many data and also new technologies invested in the existing building to make it a, a carbon neutral buildings. So uh, you you will see a technology or is there, but uh, we need uh, data. We need the uh, collaboration, engagement with the tenants, so as to uh, achieve the target. So it it requires a a process uh, to to go through. So um, that's possible, but uh, we need to invest. So uh, how to motivate uh, the uh, owners, the landlord, to do uh, uh, refurbishment and recommissioning? That is the maintenance part for the building. So that incurs uh, 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 some financial implication. Um, Dr. Wickramanayake, we we mentioned the fact that uh, large areas of Hong Kong are covered by country parks. Um, uh, how important do you think uh, Hong Kong is in terms of uh, Greater China in uh, you know, in terms of biodiversity? Conservation, I think Hong Kong uh, has set a, set a great example by setting, setting aside a fairly significant percentage of its land area for conservation. Uh, and I'm, uh, that, that uh, refers to the uh, country park system. Uh, in comparison to what China has and, and should offer, I think you know, Hong Kong is obviously uh, quite small. China, China is huge, huge, um, is a much larger uh, country and, and has a lot more, uh, in, a, a lot more diverse uh, habitats and ecosystems and the biodiversity that goes with it. Uh, so in that sense, Hong, uh, Hong Kong does not uh, contribute significantly to to China's overall biodiversity plan. But Hong Kong should should consider itself as a microcosm of uh, what we can, or what. What a, a region can do in terms of conserving uh, its biodiversity and, and representing its, its, uh, its biodiversity. I think you know Hong, Hong Kong has done a little well in its terrestrial biodiversity uh, and terrestrial conservation areas, but it, it falls short in the marine area. Right, right. Yeah, Dr. Lam? Yes, um, from the bird watcher's point of view, Hong Kong is actually a very important site in, in, in China. Um, you see, China has something like 1,500 species, and Hong Kong has more than 500. So we are a small place, but we are immensely diverse in terms of uh, bird species. Are they resident species or migratory uh, species? Partly or? resident, partly migratory, partly wintering in Hong Kong. Um, it is because we, uh, Hong Kong, although it is small, it offers a diverse range of habitats. From, from the seashore to the uh, hilltop. Um, so uh, I, I would say that Hong Kong is actually very important in terms of uh, especially migratory birds. My pole is important, but our forest area, which is becoming mature 
70 years after the war, is home to an increasing number of forest species. And uh, some birds, they, they find it difficult to live in the mainland. They, 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 they migrate over to Hong Kong and stay here. So uh, we have been a refuge for quite a number of species. Uh, a number of, say, the, the uh, colored crow has been decreasing in number in China mainland, but it has been increasing in number in Hong Kong. So Hong Kong is small, but it offers a unique opportunity for quite a number of species. Uh, so uh, and very few people realize how Maipo, how important Maipo is. In one of the surveys which I have seen, when they count the number of birds on all the wetland in China, on, on a particular day, the number of birds in Maipo is one quarter of the total Chinese population observed. So one quarter of the birds, I mean, of course, the uh, wetland birds on a particular day. But it illustrated uh, Hong Kong is small, but what we have done in terms of wetland protection is so significant. So uh, we must see ourselves as a very important component of the protection of biodiversity in China. Uh, a, a number of, um, what do you call it, uh, the... Uh, uh, a number of land, what do you call it, tortoise. Mm -hmm. yeah, land yeah, yeah. tortoise, uh, yeah. some of them are reasonably well protected in Hong Kong, but we, I have to be very careful. I, have, I'm not, I cannot mention too much. But uh, elsewhere in China, they have been more or less eaten up. So uh, we are very important. Right. Uh, and uh, well, actually, one thing that uh, I like in the uh, policy address is that it mentioned the term ecological civilization, yeah. which mm. is uh, 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 actually the result of a lot of reflection in the human race. Uh, civilization has to be related to ecology. So uh, I hope it is, I have seen it for the first time in the policy address. I hope this is going to become mainstreamed into how our policymakers would think. Uh, whatever we do, ecology has to be first. Without ecology, there's no civilization. And uh, actually in China mainland, um, there is now national policy to control the city footprint. It, they will not allow the, sprawl, the, the spread of the city boundary. It has to be confined. The footprint has to be confined make good use of the land you have within that limited area. Mm -hmm. But then there are a number of red lines, like uh, farmland, you cannot invade into farmland, uh, wetland, natural coastline, and then of course natural habitat, what they call national parks. Uh, nowadays you see senior government officials uh, being removed for, 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 for sort of uh, uh, violating these red lines. In Hong Kong, we have yet to build up that culture. We still think that economic development is number one. But I would like to take this opportunity to remind all our Hong Kong friends, especially those in the government, that ecology has to be based on, uh, I mean, civilization has to be based on ecology. And uh, well, this time they are mentioning the uh, uh, enhancing the ecological value of wetland in spite of the fact that they will be taking some away. So 
I see this as positive. But, Mr. Lam, this is all very fascinating, but it's also very far away from the mainstream kind of uh, understanding and awareness. And um, and there's no public education to talk about our biodiversity. Yes, students do go to Maipo from time to time, but yeah. perhaps once every five years. Yes, uh, I, <laughs> I reflect some of your frustration. Um, there was a, a, a long process of several years to develop what we call the biodiversity strategic and action plan. Uh, but I, I have met a number of friends who worked in that, that uh, working group. Uh, they were quite disappointed by how the administration deal with the subject. So uh, we, I have uh, quite a number of disillusioned uh, friends. Uh, but I, I remain hopeful that uh, as the world is evolving and hope uh, that uh, our, our administration will learn, hopefully fast enough, before they destroy everything. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, on the programme this morning, uh, Lam Chu Ying, uh, former director of the Hong Kong Observatory. And thanks very much to Dr. Eric Wickramanayaka, director for wildlife and wetlands with WWF Hong Kong. And uh, thank you to William Yu, founder and chief executive officer of the World Green Organization. And uh, earlier on, we also heard from uh, Albert Lai, CEO of uh, Carbon Care Asia. A uh, couple of uh, quick emails um, just before the end of the programme. Um, uh, Richard II writes, uh, the Hong Kong wetlands are a critical stopover habitat for migratory birds. If this is disturbed further, the impact will not just be on Hong Kong fauna, but also those of the whole uh, eastern flyway, everywhere from Siberia and the Arctic to the Philippines and Australia. The huge loss of wildlife already is threatening our survival. We cannot use the wetlands when uh, there is uh, degraded land sitting unused in the middle of the new territories. Uh, this would be criminal. Um, and Eric writes, uh, pleased to hear uh, C.Y. Lam taking, talking about uh, biodiversity, but would like to understand his view on the review of the Town Planning Ordinance, Environmental Impact Assessment Ordinance, and the review of the Harbour Protection Ordinance, and the Reclamation Ordinance that uh, uh, Mrs. Lam mentioned in her address last week. Uh, this runs counter to everything positive, she said, regarding the environment. Uh, that from Eric, I'm afraid uh, we, we don't have time to uh, get into those points, but thanks very much uh, uh, for writing in. Uh, to everybody and um, just before we go to the news summary and morning brew a quick look at the weather again um, and, and also thanks very much to you Ada and um, thank you very much uh, to our producer Yuki Chong. Okay the weather uh, fresh to strong north to north easterly winds occasionally up to gale force offshore and on high ground becoming cloudy uh, winds will strengthen with squally showers tonight Top temperature will be around uh, 28 degrees. Seas will be rough with swells. The outlook, windy with heavy rain and squalls tomorrow. Seas will be rough again with swells. There will still be occasional showers in the following couple of days. Now, currently it's 25 degrees. The humidity is at 65% and the strong wind signal number three is in effect. The Personal Data Privacy Ordinance has been amended to combat doxing. Anyone who discloses the personal data of another person without consent, whether recklessly or with intent to cause specified harm to the person or his or her family, such as harassment, molestation, pestering, threat, intimidation, or bodily or psychological harm, commits the offense of doxing. 
The maximum penalty is a fine of one million dollars and imprisonment for five years. The new summary with Vicky Wong. The observatory says they will consider raising the number eight storm signal later this afternoon as severe tropical storm Kompasu nears Hong Kong. The authorities have announced that a number of services will be suspended today, such as kindergartens and schools for those with special needs. And Democratic Party Chairman Lo Kin Hay says the party is still an important force in Hong Kong, despite not fielding any candidates to contest the LegCo polls. I'll have more on these stories at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the university. Set and costume designer, interpreter of Beethoven. As well, oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decide of what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Tuesday here on The Morning Brew. I'm Phil Whelan. It's great to be back with you. Interesting couple of days ahead of us, but Radio 3 is there for you. All business as usual, until it's not. Anyway, today, 10.40, it's all things Aussie, including some great music from Jared Watt. Dr. Marin Pierce will be with us for some more planet saving after 11. Joined by our friend today, Andrea Ritchie, who runs the Hong Kong Shark Foundation. Join him on Facebook Live. And then, of course, it's Morris time after 12. He joins us live from St. Kilda in Melbourne. Today he's going to take you deep into the metaverse. And she 